Well, we want to turn again to God's Word for just a few minutes, and since it is a service about baptism and membership in the church, to think about basic questions. How is it that a person gets saved so that it's right for them to come to baptism, and then it's right for them to join with the rest of the saved in the fellowship of God's church? How is it that a person gets right with God and their sins forgiven and start to live truly the life of a Christian? Romans chapter 10 helps us with kind of a sequence of events that come together. And so the New Testament book of Romans chapter 10 and breaking in in kind of the middle of verse 8, Paul explains the word, the message is near you, the saving message that can make you right with God. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the very thing that we'll celebrate on Easter Sunday, if you confess with your mouth, declare Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe. The heart in the Bible means mind as well. It's an intelligent thing to do. You, you've thought it through. You've understood. With your heart you believe and are justified. That's a word that means you're put right with God, declared right with him. And it's with your mouth that that belief is professed. With your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. In verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord in the way that Paul just described, in an understanding, I've thought it through, I've come to understand the meaning of the gospel, everyone who calls on the risen Lord Jesus Christ and confesses and acknowledges and declares that he's Lord, you'll be saved. But then Paul traces it a little bit further. How then can they call on one they've not believed in? You can't savingly call on Christ until you've believed in him. And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? You can't mysteriously believe and have some spiritual saving experience until you've heard the gospel, until you've heard the content, the good news of the gospel that centers in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. Salvation can't happen until that has happened. And so how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That is, there have to be those who explain the gospel and the message of Christianity and the way of salvation has to be preached, proclaimed, explained, and taught before it can be savingly believed. As it is written, how beautiful then are the feet of those who bring good news. In other words, how great it is when there are those preachers, there are those proclaimers of the gospel. And so to trace it out again, salvation can't happen until a person has really believed the gospel. Believing the gospel can't happen until a person has really understood it, comprehended it. And understanding can't happen until 
The biblical truth, the biblical gospel has been understandably and accessibly proclaimed and taught and explained. And so, becoming a Christian means putting your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and repenting of your sin and self-centeredness to follow Christ as Lord. We trust Him as Savior from the guilt and penalty of sin because of His atoning sacrifice on the cross. That's what Good Friday is about. When He became the substitute sacrifice for us, bearing the wrath and judgment of God so that we could be forgiven because no amount of religiousness, no amount of spiritual interest, no amount of church going or performance or even baptism could ever put us right with God if it weren't for Christ dying in our place as the substitute and the sacrifice for our sins. One of the things many people have to repent of, that means profoundly change your mind about, on the way to really coming to salvation in Christ, is thinking that they can become right with God by becoming religious, or becoming spiritual, or having certain experiences. That's one of the things that we have to change our mind about. We can only get right with God because God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5. We can't become right with God until we give up every other way of being right with him except believing in what Christ accomplished before us. Before us. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. All we like sheep had gone astray, every one to his own way, and the Lord was laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, when I first got interested in religion and getting right with God, at first I thought, okay, I'm going to become very observant, I'm going to go to church every time there was church, and I'm going to read my Bible and study my Bible, and that's how I'll get right with God. And as I tried that, I came to understand that was not working. First of all, I could never atone for the sins of the past, and I wasn't really changed enough. I was only half obeying and half believing for the present and the future. That could never be what would make me right with God. And then, eventually, through the preaching of the gospel that I heard, I kept coming to church and coming to church and places where the word of God was shared. I came to understand what was summarized in that great passage from Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast, no one can share the credit. And that was when the Lord opened my mind and understanding so that I could believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. But that's only half of the so great salvation that God gives when he really and truly saves someone. Because it's also a matter of believing and trusting in and submitting to Jesus Christ as Lord. That's what we read in Romans chapter 10 verse 9. When you get to the place because you've been taught by the gospel to see who Jesus Christ is as the King who saves, the Lord that God has sent, and you come to understand that now he's the rightful Lord of everybody everywhere, and I'm going to follow him in obedience, when you get to that place and you declare Jesus Christ as Lord from the heart, 
That's when you're saved, the Bible says. You see it in the terms of the Great Commission. Jesus said, after his resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because that's true, therefore go and make disciples, followers of all the nations. And how will they be identified at the start? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then what's the agenda and the program? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, Jesus says. We see it in the powerful language of Christ's saving work in Philippians 2. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that word in that culture means title. Gave him the name, the title, that is above every other name. That at that name, the one given to Jesus, it's not at the name Jesus, it's at the name given to Jesus, the title given to Jesus. What's the title? Lord. That at the name given to Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, declare, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that word means supreme authority. It's clear that that's what it means, even though there's a, there's a strand of Christianity that tries to say that someone can come to Jesus to get saved, and whether or not he's Lord, that's a separate question. But you trace it out in the Bible, and you can't tear those two things apart. He's one person. You come to him, you come to all that he is. He's Savior and he's Lord. There are those straightforward sayings of Jesus in passages like Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. He says it even more succinctly in Luke 6, 46. Eventually, he turns to the crowd and he says, Why do you keep calling me Lord, but you don't do what I say? And so, we should put to rest once and for all this resistance to recognizing the Lordship of Christ and true conversion and salvation. It dishonors Him and it diminishes and disfigures the fullness of salvation that our great Savior offers to us. Because recognizing, understanding, and believing, and confessing, and declaring that Jesus is Lord, the Lord who saves, do you know that's the reversal of the unbelief and the rebellion that began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, when they said, God's not my king, God's not our Lord. Conversion is when, led by the Holy Spirit to the truth of the gospel, a person comes to see, I've been all wrong about who, king is, who the king is, who the Lord and the supreme authority is. Now I recognize it again. Now I've been led by the Holy Spirit to understand, and I come to confess it. And so Good Friday declares that Jesus is Savior. And Easter Sunday declares that Jesus is Lord. And his loving lordship means that sin will no longer be our master. For now on, we are under grace. Living under the lordship of Christ 
is not the downside to salvation. Living under the lordship and the authority of Christ is the way to the way to peace, the Bible says. It is, Jesus himself said, taking his easy yoke of authoritative teaching upon us so that we can learn from him how to truly live and to find the way to shalom that we are no good finding on our own and in our own wisdom. It means we obey Christ's teaching revealed to us in the Bible, taught to us in the fellowship of the church from pastors and teachers and as we edify and encourage one another, living it out together in the nurture and fellowship of other believers, in the power and leading of the Holy Spirit, in every nook and cranny of our lives. Nothing is deliberately held back. We'll never do it perfectly, but we do it sincerely. And every day when we wander, we go 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can resume our aspiration to live in every way under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And in living that way, Jesus says, we finally find rest for our souls. Finally, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for Christ's love from here on out controls us, compels us. Because we're convinced, again, real Christianity is something that persuades you. It's something that you think through and you realize the implications of. And so it then compels and convinces you that certain things ought to be from now on. We're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live because of that atoning death should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. The Christ of Good Friday, the Christ of Resurrection Sunday, Savior and Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that for the great good news of grace, of undeserved, unmerited forgiveness and pardon because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you that the Holy Spirit leads us to see our hopelessness in ourselves, and the only way to be right with you is through the atonement that Christ provided at the cross. And then we thank you that the risen, resurrected Lord, the one who is Lord of everybody everywhere, now offers us that pardon and that forgiveness and offers us, as was read from Romans tonight, a way to walk in newness of life in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we pray that you would make our conversions real and genuine and lasting. Conversions that are rooted in truly understanding that leads to true belief. Belief that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Jesus Christ is the one who saves. And so for those who are baptized tonight, for those who are coming to join with us in membership, for all of us who together have already made a profession of faith, May we renew our allegiance and our trust and our devotion. And we would pray for any here this evening still lost and guilty and apart from Christ.
that they might know that they too, by believing this same good news and trusting in this same gracious Savior, can find forgiveness of sin and new life. Work in our hearts, truly we pray, by your spirit and word, and we'll thank you in the name of our gracious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.